I want you to go over to the book of Isaiah, and I'm going to talk to you today about triumphing over infirmity to understand what infirmity is and what the Word of God has to say about that. I believe even while this is going forth today, the Lord is going to minister healing and deliverance to people. So you put your faith out there. You put your expector out there to believe God for those that are things that are impossible, those things that are hard, even those things that are longstanding. But from Isaiah chapter 53, if you have your Bible, the Scripture says in verse 4, Surely He took up our infirmities. Think about that. He took up your infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered Him stricken by God, smitten by Him, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. That means not His transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, not His. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds we are healed. Now notice that the peace is the opposite of the infirmity. He carried the infirmity, and because of his sacrifice, he brought us peace. Now, we're talking about this year, the year of triumph, regardless of what you're facing. There can only be triumph in overcoming if there's something to overcome. So the Spirit of God is definitely speaking to us and encouraging us, and I want you to hear this scripture again. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Say that out loud, always leads us. There's no provision here or clause in this scripture that says, well, except in COVID-19 situations. No, he always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. What does this scripture tell me in Isaiah chapter 53? What does that say or speak to regarding triumph? It says this, I want you to imagine that every disease that ever was or ever will be, on that day he carried it. Every sin that ever was or ever will be, he carried that on the cross. COVID-19 was not an exception. That was nailed to the cross, you know, 2,000 years ago for you and for me. And I want you to understand this. The curse is the root of this situation, but infirmity is the fruit. In other words, the destruction and damage to some dimension in somebody's life, it derives from that root. Now, we've been redeemed from the curse according to Scripture. Yet means that you and I have been redeemed from the root, but we also have been redeemed from the fruit. We've been redeemed from the curse, but we've also been redeemed from the fruit of that curse. Think about it this way. The blessing for you and for me has been restored, and the blessing is the root, and peace is that fruit for you and for me. Wholeness and soundness, nothing missing, nothing broken. You've been given the blessing root, So you have access to the blessing fruit. That needs to be your mindset. You know, if you're not careful when things happen, when you go through situations like an infirmity, and we'll talk about more what that means, you know, you might be tempted just to accept it, just to put up with it, get bitter, get upset, compare yourself to somebody else. I know a lot of people in and out of this church that condemn themselves because they have an infirmity. That's not the right thing to do. That's not going to get you anywhere. What you need to do is begin to build up your faith and and see things through the eyes of Scripture. What does God say about this? And God says you've been set free from the curse. You've been set free from that root so you don't have to put up with its fruit. You've had the blessing restored to you. You have the root of the blessing, so you should be enjoying the fruit of the blessing, which is peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness and soundness. That needs to be your mindset. That needs to be your attitude. Let's talk just a moment about what infirmity actually is. It refers in Scripture oftentimes to a weakness or a decrepit condition, a diseased condition or a sickly condition. Infirmity means that there's more, though, than just a physical affliction involved. It always travels 
with partners, so to speak. It's often chronic and recurring, and it robs quality of life. That's one of the ways you can tell what you're really dealing with. The spirit of infirmity, the nature of infirmity, is it's doing more than just causing you some pain in your body. It's compromising your quality of life. In other words, it affects you emotionally and mentally and socially and financially. It affects you every way, not just physically. The good news for you and for me is the power of God does not care how long you've had the infirmity. The power of God is an equal you know, opportunity destroyer when it comes to sickness and disease. So be encouraged today. You may have been battling this thing for a long time. You may have had it a week or 20 years. It doesn't make any difference. You'll find in Scripture of examples where people have had things for a very long time, and we'll talk about some of those, and God came through. So don't say, well, I've just got to put up with this, or this is the way it is, or condemn yourself, or compare yourself to somebody else. No, because I assure you, you look at somebody else, and they say, in the infirmity category, you think they're just fine. Everything's fine physically. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what they're believing God for. It's best for you just to focus on that thing and believe God for your restoration. I'm declaring today you're having triumph over your infirmity in Jesus' name. I'm declaring it again in Jesus' name. This is your day of triumph over that infirmity. Well, I want to go to Luke 13, uh, one of my favorite scriptures and narratives in the, in the Word of God, and just read this to you and make a few comments about the nature of infirmity because this scripture in Luke 13 tells us a lot about the nature of how these things work, and then we'll move forward from there. So if you're scrolling, scroll to Luke 13. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke 13. And I'm going to read this to you from verse 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Now notice, you can be faithful to the synagogue, you can be coming to the house of God, you can be serving God, you can be walking with God, and still have issues in your life. This is not somebody detached from the worship system. This is somebody involved. And she was crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now watch this. You would think that everybody in that synagogue, everybody would be thrilled at seeing the Word of God and the Word of God confirmed with the power of God. But that's not to be. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Now watch this. Jesus was teaching. Jesus just healed somebody. And the synagogue ruler, right in Jesus' hearing, says these words to redirect them. Don't pay any attention to what he's doing. He's doing it all wrong. You come you know, on the six days and be healed. Well, the truth is they weren't getting anybody healed any day of the week. So they should have been thrilled at what the Lord was doing. And also, church, the Sabbath was made for the restoration of man. This is a perfect time, actually, scripturally and historically, to get healed. But they were upset because of his teaching and because of the power of God. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey and, uh, from the stall and eat it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Now this scripture is just filled with revelation regarding infirmity and the spirit of infirmity. First of all, infirmity ultimately has a spiritual origin. 
Jesus said twice, this Bible says twice in just a, a short paragraph, that a spirit had her bound and Satan has her bound. So before you go around judging yourself and condemning yourself, realize we're in a warfare. This was a spiritual origin. And you understand that ultimately ties back to sin and the curse. But remember, you're redeemed from that curse. So therefore, you're redeemed from the fruit of that curse. Second thing I notice about this is infirmity is often long lasting. This one here. Is 18 years. There are other examples in Scripture we'll get to where a woman had something for 12 years. Infirmity is frequently supported and prolonged by religion. Don't expect religion and Pharisees and hypocrites to be someone that advances your faith for the deliverance and the triumph over the infirmity. That's just not going to happen. And oftentimes you can really spot and smell that spirit of religion when you're believing God for something that perfectly lines up with the Word of God. And they naysay it, they criticize it, they roll their eyes. Well, let them roll their eyes till they pop out of their eye sockets. You just go ahead and believe God because this is what the Word says for you and for me. Fourth, infirmity is a violation of the covenant. Jesus makes it plain right here. This is a daughter of Abraham. This is a covenant woman of God. She ought to be healed. And you know what, church? God has the same mindset towards you today. You are a child of God with an even better covenant, and you ought to be healed. If you doubt God's perspective, look at that scripture. Jesus, God in the flesh, says that the covenant people ought to be healed, and you're one of his covenant people. And then fifth, infirmity is no match for the power of God, tapped in by faith. And I just want to say this to you boldly. Whatever it is that's bothering you, whatever infirmity that's going on, it has an expiration date. It's coming to an end. It has a shelf life, and it's over in Jesus' name. You take a hold of that word today. Well, I want to go over to Mark chapter 5 and talk to you about a faith that triumphs over infirmity. A faith that will triumph over infirmity. Say that out loud with me. I have a faith that will triumph over infirmity. Shout it out loud. That's me. The covenant child of God. Come on, say it boldly. I ought to be healed. I ought to be victorious. I ought to be prosperous. I ought to be the head and not the tail. Glory to God. The Bible tells us and gives us an example of a faith that will triumph in the midst of infirmity. Let me read this scripture and again make some observations about this. But in Mark uh, chapter 5, and I'm going to read to you, I guess we'll start here about verse 25. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. And uh, scripture says this, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now there's that nature again of infirmity. It's long-lasting. It is entrenched. And she is weak, she's being treated, she's being depleted financially. She has uh, an issue mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, socially. Socially, she's isolated because of this situation. There's a lot of things that she has that's in common with our understanding right now, what we're going through as a nation and as a people. She suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. And yet of getting better she grew worse. And that's not to vilify doctors. That's just to simply say that she went through a lot of treatments, a lot of ideas, spent a lot of money, and nothing helped in that situation. Some of you know exactly what that's like. Well, watch this. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, the scripture says in other translations, she kept saying to herself, 
if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now watch this, 12 years. Every doctor, every physician, everything money could buy, nothing. One faith-filled step, one execution, one you know, release of that faith, and immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. We don't know exactly what that felt like, but it must have been staggering. There must have been some physical manifestation to let her know something supernatural just happened to me. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crying against you, the disciples answers, and yet you can ask who touched me. Now, Jesus is not looking for somebody who physically touched him. He was wanting to know who touched him with their faith, who touched them with their confidence, who touched them with their trust. That's what he was talking about. And scripture says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, there's that language again, another daughter of Abraham who ought to be whole, who ought to be sound. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a consistency to Jesus' message here. Covenant people ought to be well. They ought to be whole. They ought to be delivered from that spirit of infirmity. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you, a faith that will triumph over infirmity. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know what he just said to her? You go and be free from this infirmity physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, financially. You go in peace and be restored to wholeness, to soundness. This Jesus who would go to the cross and with his blood would carry our infirmities was now manifesting and demonstrating for us that now he's going to take the infirmity and replace it with peace. I believe he wants to do the very thing that we're talking about in your life today. The infirmity has been paid for. The infirmity has been carried. The question is, has the peace been received yet? Has the fullness of that release been received yet? Are we walking free of that infirmity? We need to take advantage of what he offered, what he provided, and close the rest of the deal. Receive, just like this woman received. Put a demand on that power, on that anointing. One translation refers to virtue. Dunamis power coming out of him when she connected with her faith by touching him. Well, how do we operate in this? Well, notice that she was sick for 12 years, spent everything she had, was self-isolated, extremely weak physically, mentally, and emotionally. She had to fight her way through this crowd. Everybody wanted to hear him at that time. Everybody had something they wanted to receive from him. And there she is pushing through, you know, breaking through with her faith. And I want to point out to you the nature of her faith, the quality of her faith. First of all, she had a faith that hears, a faith that actually hears. Say that with me, I have hearing faith. What that means is she's listening to the right words at the right time, and you and I need to do the same thing. She's not paying any attention to what the Pharisees or Sadducees, you know, or those hypocrites would say, or those religious people would say. All she knows is she tried everything in the natural, and she's reaching out to the one she perceives to be the Messiah. She's listening to the right things. If you're going to tap into, if you're going to have a faith you know, that receives healing and deliverance of some infirmity, you're going to have to listen to the right things and keep on listening to them. You say, well, I've been listening for years. Keep listening. 
You know, one of the most amazing stories that I know, you know, personally from, from other people that know this family one-on-one, the incredible story of Dodie Osteen, who in the 80s was diagnosed with metastatic liver cancer and given three weeks to live. Her own son was chief of staff in Little Rock Hospital and confirmed the diagnosis. This is what the natural says. Every single day, she began to let those words go into her ears as she would read scriptures out. And, you know, here she is all these years later, still praying for the sick, still taking those gospels, still taking the word of God because her hearing is in the right place. She had a faith that hears. That's what you and I need. We can't afford to be listening to all the gloom and the doom and the despair and the agony on me. It's time to trade our hee-haw theology in for the Word of God and hear what God is saying. Number two, she had a faith that sees. Once she got a glimpse of the Messiah, once she got a glimpse of the one who is the author and the finisher of her faith, she made a beeline to him. That's what you need to do. Don't put your eyes on the numbers. Some of you track the numbers, you know, like you're tracking a horse if you bet on them. Get your eyes off those COVID numbers and get your eyes back on the Word of God. Get your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Him. He's the one that's developing. He's the one that's going to produce victory and peace and joy in your life. You know, every day there's a new number, and then there's a contradiction for that number, and then this one has some kind of prediction, and no, that one's wrong over here. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. No, what you need to do is put your eyes on Jesus and leave them there. I promise you, if you do that, He's not going to lead you astray. That's the kind of faith she had. She had a faith that sees, focuses on Jesus as the healer, and then pursues him. That's the message for you. You found him. You know who he is. Keep going after him. Rise up early. Seek his face. Turn to him because in the seeking you will find the manifestation of what it is you're looking for. Number three, she had a faith that speaks. I love the translation that says, she kept saying to herself, she kept saying to herself. You know, you and I get kind of lazy with this. Well, the pastor said to confess this, well, I'll confess it three times. If that doesn't work, I'm going to quit. That's not the way it works. You and I have talked negatively for years about things, and that doesn't bother us. No, she kept saying to herself, she kept saying to herself, if I so much as touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She kept saying to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. I wonder what you're saying in abundance. I wonder if there's a confession like that. If I just keep doing what I'm doing, I'm being delivered from this infirmity. If I just keep doing what I'm doing, I'm being delivered from that stronghold. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to have what God says I can have. Well, that's what you want to do is a faith that speaks. Sometimes Christians get tired of hearing this, but there is power of life and death in your tongue. You do begin to produce and prophesy your own life. Like the Bible says in James 3, your mouth is like a rudder on a ship. Well, in our context, it's like the steering wheel in your car. If you want to steer towards deliverance from infirmity, keep your words lining up with the Word of God. She kept saying to herself, she had a faith that hears, a faith that sees, and a faith that speaks. But that's not all, church. She had a faith that acts. She pressed through and then did exactly what she was confessing. Watch this. When you confess something consistently and then your actions and your behavior lines up with that confession, you're going to see the power of God manifest in your life as well. Oftentimes we may for a season have our eyes on the word and ears on the word or for a season talk right or for a season do what we're supposed to do. Could you imagine if you got your ears and your eyes and your mouth and your actions all in line on the word of God, what could happen in your life? I want to encourage you today, be like she was. She went 
and touched the hem of that garment, she was not going to be denied. Everything was in alignment, her ears, her eyes, her mouth, and her body. And she reached out, and the Bible says that healing virtue flowed out of her so much that she perceived it when it flowed in, and Jesus perceived that it, fl- that it was flowing out of him. What a remarkable story. What happened? She became whole. She became sound. In your mind, go back to Isaiah 53. He took the infirmities and gave her peace, gave her wholeness, gave her soundness. He is no respecter of persons. He trumpeted in Luke 13 the covenant woman, the daughter of Abraham. He trumpeted by calling her the same thing, daughter. And that's under Abraham's covenant. You and I have a better covenant. We have it through God's relationship with His Son, Jesus, who died for you and for me, who shed His blood, who rose from the dead, who ascended on high, and is coming back again. That's the gospel that Paul preaches, and we believe. But He's no respecter of persons. If you will have a faith that hears and sees and speaks and acts, you can expect Him to remove that infirmity from your life as well. Don't reference the past. Don't reference what you've done wrong. Don't reference what religion says. Don't reference how long you had it. Don't pay any attention to the calendar. Just keep your ears and your eyes and your mouth and your actions going in the same direction as the Word of God. And you can begin to see infirmity leave your life. So how do we personally apply this to our own lives? We can look at Scripture and say, well, that's a nice story. Praise the Lord. I'm glad they got something from God. No, the story's not over. It's still being written. The power of God is still available. Do you know what? That hymn is still engorged with power to this day. And by faith, we make the same connection. And guess what? It's not out there a million miles. Scripture tells us He lives in us. That power that raised Jesus from the dead is already working in us. You see, all we need to do is access that by our faith. What kind of faith? Well, first of all, make sure you listen to only what the Word of God says about healing. There's no way for you to mix you know, pure word of God about healing. All the times that in Scripture says that Jesus never told anybody no, and how he healed them all, how he healed every one of them, and then mix it with a little unbelief, you know, mix it with a little doubt over here, how God gave you this to teach you a lesson, or how somehow God is glorified by your sickness. No, God doesn't need hell's tools, you know, and he's not so bankrupt, he has to use their tools to teach you anything. You can't be mixing the Word of God with this other nonsense and expect to have a faith that receives deliverance and freedom over that iniquity. So make sure that you're only listening. Listen to what I'm saying. Make sure you're only listening to what the Word says about your healing. Don't pollute it. You know, don't contaminate your faith with things that contradict the Word of God. I remember years ago we had uh, two magazines that came in, a uh, magazine came into the church and um, something that's affiliated, you know, with the fellowship. And on the front cover, there was a story about how God had healed somebody's sight. And towards the back of the magazine, it said how God had made somebody blind to give him glory. And I thought, you know what? That's about the end of our covering or keeping that magazine around here. Why? Either he's a healer or he's the one that gave you the blindness, but he's not both. God is the healer, he is the restorer. And in fact, when you read Isaiah 61 and you look at how Luke 4 records Jesus preaching that sermon, that scripture, you know, in his ministry, you'll find out that he didn't come to make eyes blind, he came to open up blind eyes. It's critical that you keep your eyes on the Word of God and make sure you're not going to all these other sources of information because they're out there. I tell you what, the only thing more abundant right now than COVID-19 talk is religion. 
You want to make sure that your focus is not on that nonsense, but it's on the Word of God. Then number two, make sure you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. In other words, restoration is a byproduct of pursuing Him. Take advantage of this time. Go after Him with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Spend that time in the Word. Spend that time in prayer. Spend that time in praise. Take advantage of what you can online to build your faith. Take advantage of the drive through communion service so that you can be reminded how powerful your covenant is. Wouldn't it be amazing as people drive through, they drive out healed. They drive in with infirmity. They drive out with deliverance. That's the way you need to see this thing. Keep your eyes focused on Him. A lot of things out there to distract you. Statistics on this, problems on this, what's going to happen with here, what this state is doing, what this state is not doing, what the president is doing, what the CDC is not doing, what the WHO is doing, what China is doing. The only thing that matters is what you're doing with your eyes and your focus. Focus on the Lord. Number three, make sure you speak what you want to happen. Make sure you speak what you want to happen. You so much as touch the hem of his garment, you'll be healed. If that's what you want, keep your mouth lined up with that. Don't call the dog if you want the cat. Go around saying, doggy, 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 when you want the cat, you might as well just forget it. You're going to get what you call. Keep your mouth straight and in line with the Word of God. Make sure you speak only what you want to happen. And then number four, make sure you act on the Word, doing what He tells you to do during this season. It's not uncommon at all as you're seeking Him that He would give you some kind of a miracle-loaded, miracle-laden command, which means the miracles in the command. Be sensitive. It may be a correction. It may be a direction. It may be something He wants you to do in compassion during this season for somebody else. All you need to do is make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. She felt in her spirit that she was supposed to show up that day in the midst of that crowd, which was a big choice for her for many reasons. She chose to fight through the crowd as weak as she was. She chose to do what she saw in her spirit. She saw it just plain as day. If I so much as touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she touched and that power went into her. God is able to give you insight and a vision of what you're supposed to be doing during this season between battling the infirmity and then being triumphant over that infirmity. Keep your ears up. Keep your sensitivity strong in the area of what God might say to you. The number five... Make sure you expect the power of God to, you know, impact you in every area. Make sure you expect that if it was true for her that virtue came out, then virtue is coming out for you. Power is coming out for you. God didn't love her anymore than he loves you. God doesn't love the next person any more than you. You see somebody who's received, that has nothing to do with how much God loves you. He loves you. We have to put ourselves in a position to be expectors, just like that woman. We expect him to move. We expect him to touch us physically and mentally and emotionally and socially and financially. If he can make her whole, if he can take that infirmity and then trade that in for the peace that he provides, he can take the infirmity in your life and trade that in for the peace that he provides as well. I'd like to say this, COVID-19 definitely qualifies as an infirmity because of the toll it's taken on people physically and mentally and emotionally and socially and financially. In fact, it's a great example of an infirmity. But guess what? The blood was shed. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When Jesus was on the cross, that COVID-19 was nailed to that cross. And the fact that he rose from the dead means that COVID-19 stands judged with every other disease that you can mention. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. 
And I want you to receive, no matter what's going on, no matter what dimension of infirmity you're dealing with, and if you're in a household and somebody in your household has it, I want you just to go near them, and I want you to pray with me as we pray over that situation. But be expecting today. We have a faith that hears. We have a faith that sees. We have a faith that speaks. And we have a faith that acts. And part of our acting right now is to believe God with you. So bow your heads, and I just want to pray this uh, particular prayer over you. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you to move powerfully wherever people are right now. We know that people watch this overseas. They watch this across the country. They watch it locally. Lord, in our city, in our immediate county, in the surrounding counties, wherever they are, in Jesus' name, we're asking you to give them the same kind of release of virtue that that woman had so many years ago. Father, we come to you in faith, with a faith that hears and sees and speaks and acts. And we're asking you to move in those situations. We're asking you to touch those lungs, touch those hearts, touch those kidneys. Lord, touch those joints, Father. Touch those bones. Touch that blood system. Touch that circulatory system. Father, we rebuke that, that cancerous tumor. We rebuke that disease. We rebuke that growth. We rebuke and we take authority over that uh, report that tries to contradict the word of God. And in Jesus' name, we decree, we declare, you're free from that infirmity. The power of God is surging through you. Right now, as you're reaching out by faith and you're touching that hymn, you're reaching out and touching that garment that is loaded, that is laden with power, dunamis, miracle-working power, that power is flowing out of him and it's flowing into you and you can sense it and he can sense it. We call you well from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. We speak healing and restoration over every aspect of your life. You're coming back mentally. You're coming back emotionally. You're coming back socially, and you're coming back financially in Jesus' name. Everything that you have lost in fighting this thing, everything that you've been afflicted with, everything that's been compromised because of your war, not only did she get whole, you're getting whole. In the name of Jesus, he took your infirmity, and he's giving you peace. Nothing missing and nothing broken in Jesus' mighty name.